the Nashville 2 Podcast with your host, Edward Fox. G'day viewers and listeners, it's Ed Fox back with another amazing episode of Nashville 2, where we tell your story. So if you know anybody that should be promoted and, and talked about on Nashville 2, uh, register them at Nashville2.com or register yourself if you'd like to come on the show as a guest. Today, I have a special guest. He's a good friend of mine. He's also uh, my president in my BNI chapter, uh, Chris Wallace with Huntington Bank. How are you doing, Chris? Doing great, Ed. How are you? Good, good. I, I always, when I go to say the bank, I'm like, is that Huntington's? No, that's a disease. That's a different thing, right? You know, so I have to be careful not to say that. So, Chris, how are you enjoying your term as BNI president uh, of the Wilco uh, chapter? You know, it's kind of too early to tell, but I will say that uh, it's a great chapter. Uh, so I wouldn't have accepted this role with any other chapter I couldn't see. Uh, but it's been great so far. Uh, we've got some great members, uh, very active and participating. So uh, it just makes the job a whole lot easier in the process. Doesn't he sound just like a politician, folks? Chris, <laughs> have you ever run for office before? <laughs> I've never run for office before, but that's probably the second time I've heard that. Oh, really? Okay. Well, it's very <laughs> diplomatic. So, you know me, I'm like, I'm off the cuff and you're very polished, which is good. In a banker, I want you to dot all the I's and cross all the T's, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you for my viewers and listeners. From Middle Tennessee originally? Grew up here? No. So from Mississippi originally. Uh, moved here about four and a half years ago. Okay. Whereabouts in Mississippi? Uh, so the Jackson area uh, uh, is where we were from. Madison uh, is just north of Jackson. Right. And that's where we lived uh, prior to coming here. Gotcha. And family, kids, all that sort of stuff for you? Yeah. So we still got family in Mississippi, but as far as my, my wife and kids, uh, we're here. Uh, they all love it. Uh, so it's been a great move and transition for us. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. I, I love being in middle Tennessee. I can tell you, I wish I got here 20 years ago, not just for the house prices. I'm, I'm not saying just for the house <laughs> prices, but that would have been helpful too. So, why why the move, though, from Mississippi to a Middle Tennessee? You know, um, I actually tried to move to Middle Tennessee years ago in the role that um, I was looking at just didn't quite work out. Right. Uh, but there was an opportunity where uh, I had the opportunity to come from Mississippi and do SBA lending here in Tennessee. Uh, it was a great opportunity to really expand my network and footprint and be able to do more in the SBA space. And so that's really what got me here. Yeah, so let's let's lean into that. So I'm looking over here trying to find my calendar to make sure I give us enough time and I must have shut it down. So when you see my eyes darting, I don't have any producers or other people here handling all the stuff. This is the one man band. It's sort of like, you know, yeah. you got the drum and you got the cymbals and you got the thing on your back and you, you're trying to do it all. So no, no, we're good. Okay, great. Um, so let's lean into that SBA lending because I think there's a lot of questions that people have about that. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of misconceptions, right? There's And there's a lot of different um, loan options in the SBA, a lot of different designations and stuff. And we don't need to dig into all of that. They can get with you if they've got those questions. But let me ask you this. what what is the What is the thing that you have to explain the most, you think, when it comes to SBA loans? Uh, I think the biggest thing is what is a small business loan? And so for the different people, it can mean something totally different. Uh, so I've had it where I've talked to people where they felt like that meant small loans, $50,000 or less. Uh, I've had some that just didn't realize, you know, what that meant. And so they kind of just steered away from it. 
Uh, but that's the biggest thing is really kind of defining what a small business loan is. And those loans range up to $5 million and sometimes can go higher than that. Uh, so there's a big space on, on what actually constitute a small business or SBA loan. And what is the background of an SBA loan? Why might somebody want an SBA loan as opposed to some other type of loan? Yeah, so SBA just creates more access to capital. And so it just makes loans that are uh, not opportunities, options for people. And so if you think about somebody that doesn't have you know, the cash to put down a down payment of, of 20% or more, an SBA loan may be the option for them. They're looking for a longer term on their loan that may be an option for them as well. Uh, if the loan doesn't have 100% collateral, uh, that's another good option. And so SBA loans look a lot like conventional and commercial loans. They just give more reasonable terms um, so that it's it's more doable for more people. So, and it's really the uh, Small Business Administration is backing the bank that lends you the money. Is that is that what I heard you say one time? That's exactly right. So you can kind of look at it as an insurance policy for the bank. So an SBA loan is taking on additional risk. So if you're providing a longer term, if you're providing a higher loan to value ratio or loan to cost ratio, uh, if you are uh, just doing some unconventional terms where you don't have 100% collateral, all those create a greater risk for the bank overall. And so the SBA, is, in essence, puts an insurance policy here to say, in the event of a default, we're going to share in this loss with you to create more access to capital for small business owners. Right. So I would think things like um, a, a business that wants to expand, but they don't have the capital to expand would be would mm -hmm. be a person that might say, hey, look, we don't have the collateral. We, we need to hire somebody so that we get this. Here's the plan. Will you guys back it? And they would they would go, the bank might say no, but the SBA might say yes. That's exactly right. And so the SBA just reduces the risk to the bank. Uh, okay. in that scenario to allow the business to be able to expand beyond their existing footprint. Great. So if people that haven't thought about that as an option should at least be aware of it and have it on their radar that it might be a good, a good business for you, uh, a good business, a good chance at a loan for them to at least go through the SBA as, as another option. Oh, and are you guys seeing a particular uptick in SBA loans or do, ha, since you've been doing this, does it stay pretty constant? No, it, it varies. So, you know, we're in a situation now where, you know, there's talks about potential uh, of a recession just because of all of the inflation risk and how much rates have gone up. And so banks become a lot more conservative when there's discussion around a recession, which means that more gets pushed to the SBA side because they want to have, um, uh, less risk. Uh, their right. tolerance is less risk averse. Uh, so we actually see an uptick in those types of uh, environments. Um, and then, you know, depending on the type of transaction that it is, we see it pretty consistently where business acquisitions generally have collateral shortfall because they have goodwill value, which is intangible. Uh, so we see a lot of those come through the SBA space. Franchises are another one. And then uh, general startups as well that are non-franchised, we see a lot of as well. And, and Chris, how long have you been doing this overall? So I've been in banking for 22 years. I've been doing SBA loans for about nine years now. Wow. And didn't you recently get recognized for something, maybe? Get an did award? I get recognized for something? Huh? Didn't you get an award? Like, or, or did Huntington's, like, you, you announced something at B&I. I I do not want to steal your thunder. So tell us, <laughs> tell us, uh, so, so yeah, so uh, the, the governmental fiscal year end just ended September 30th. So we're actually in the 2024 fiscal year, but 
Uh, for the 2023 fiscal year end, we ended up being, again, the number one lender by unit volume in the SBA. And we've had that designation probably over seven years now. Uh, so we do more loans across the country than any other bank. Through the SBA? That's correct. Through our SBA program. And uh, are you guys operating in every state or not necessarily? So, so we do the lower 48. Um, so we are a national lender at this point. Uh, we weren't at the time that I started, but we've expanded uh, our territories and become a national lender for the lower 48 states. And do you have do you have a favorite story that you're able to tell about what you've seen uh, somebody able to do by having an SBA loan? Um, you know, I'll tell you, the very first SBA loan that I did in Tennessee was uh, for a client that was acquiring a nail salon. And the price tag on it was a lot higher than what you'd expect for a nail salon, but it generated sizable revenues. But what the client told me was, uh, you believed in me before my wife did. <laughs> and so I, I found that kind of ironic, uh, but but I saw the vision in the business and was glad to help him in order to secure the business as well, providing the financing. So that's probably one of the, the best stories just to know that you know, the clients are looking for somebody to actually believe in, you know, what their vision and their dream is. And, you know, they have to make it make sense on paper uh, when it comes to the business plan, financial projections, and just reviewing the numbers and everything. Uh, but just to hear, uh, you know, the vision of, of what he had and me to believe in it and help him to move forward with it was was a great uh, story for me. Wow, that is awesome. And, and I would think that having been through a couple of SBA loans that closed and a couple that didn't, um, it it there is something to be said for all of the documentation that any loan requires. But I, I like the fact that um, you were able to point out to me you know, where we were falling short and where we had to like sort of circle back and check some of the numbers and stuff. And it, it actually saved us from a, from a bad situation. So um, uh, do you, do you get pushback on the amount of documentation needed? Cause I, I think you've got a very clear, uh, clear process to follow that makes sure that the people are as protected as they can be. Uh, is there a better way to say that? No, no, I think you I think you said it pretty good. And the biggest thing about it is communication. So, you know, clients is the, the better they understand something, the the better it comes across to them and they can receive it. Uh, I think that when it's a disjointed process, it creates frustration. And then that adds to the fact that you've got to do all of these different steps in the process in order to make something work. And, and that's where you have challenges. So for the most part, I don't have a lot of challenges about the amount of documentation that's required. Uh, I provide my clients a list up front of what they're expected to provide to me to go to underwriting. And then we've got a separate list that we need for closing. Uh, but just going through that process and explaining the the what this is and the why we need it helps the client to understand and move forward in the process. Um, I've had some that have gone through very challenging processes prior to talking to me, and it just makes them where they are very off kilter when it comes to SBA altogether. And a lot of times they may just say, you know what, I'll never do an S another SBA loan. <laughs> Uh, and and that, that part is understandable because when you have a disjointed process, it's not fun. And so it's like, why would I even risk going through this again if I just went through all these challenges before and it didn't work out? And I've heard some nightmares of people that have gone through other banks and other lenders through the SBA process and then have come over and gone through Huntington uh, Bank and their, their story is the exact opposite. Um, yeah. So why is that? <laughs> Well, it, it really comes down to the bank and the banker. And so what, what happens a lot of times is that 
bankers, if they're, they're not really versed in SBA lending, um, then they don't know how to give the answer. So they just kind of wing it and they end up telling the client something wrong. So that's the first issue there. Uh, or if something doesn't match the bank's risk appetite, being upfront and honest with the client to say, hey, this doesn't fit our risk profile. We don't like this deal and here's why versus kind of trying to fit a square pig through a round hole. Uh, so everybody gets frustrated in that process. And so they have to understand that, you know, not all SBA bankers are created equal. Not all banks when it comes to SBA lending are going to be equal as well. So understanding the difference between those two from the start is very helpful for clients to kind of reduce the friction and frustration in the process. Right. Like we did a, before I knew you, we were up in Kansas and when the PPP came out and all the work that we had to file for that, for our businesses, yep. the bank in Kansas it was this guy knew his stuff and it was simple and we were processed like we never we didn't even know they were having problems. And some of our friends were going through other banks and they're like, are you having all these problems? I'm like, we didn't have any problem. Like it was like that simple. Um, and and the fees and the processes and all that stuff was just like easy peasy. And that's what I hear when I uh, have friends that have gone through you that they say, fees are a lot different was it you that was saying something the other day about fees at bni and yeah so so one thing that's different about our bank is that our closing costs uh ideally are less than most other banks across the country uh and so normally when i'm competing against other banks my closing cost fees are a lot less uh so that's one of the questions that i get asked from broker relationships that i have or even cpa third-party relationships you know, they want to know about the fees and the breakdown of those. And so as I'm able to explain those, they realize the difference. And that helps a lot in the process of moving things forward. Uh, knowledge is the biggest piece of it. And I, I would say that at the end of the day, if you've got the knowledge, people are even fine with paying more once they realize that what they're paying for is worth it. Right. Uh, so so at the end of the day, it comes down to the knowledge and the risk appetite. And explaining those helps clients to really understand better okay, here's why I want to move forward with this bank. But I have heard like shocking differences between fees in banks, like could be a difference of $50,000 for the same loan. It's just, mm -hmm. it's crazy. As a business owner, it can be tiring paying cash for everything you need. Well, there's a better way. Introducing Trade Bank of Nashville. Our bartering service lets you exchange goods and services without the need for cash transactions. Trade Bank helps businesses like yours reduce expenses, bring in new business, and keep your cash where you need it most. Find out more and join our barter network today. Start getting what you need without paying cash because sometimes barter is just smarter. Apply today at nashville.tradebank.com. So what do you what's your top three tips for somebody that's maybe looking at an SBA loan right now? They haven't started the process, but they're thinking about it. Do you have a good three tips that you would recommend? You know, the first thing about it is that question everything. You know, I like to tell my clients, don't trust me, quiz me. Uh, you know, if, if I tell you something, I need to be able to tell you that same thing next week and the next week and the next week. If it comes up different, that's probably your opportunity to run at that point. Uh, and, and by asking those questions of why, you think about kids, kids always ask why. And a lot of times why? we get stuck on not being able to answer. Uh, but if they ask you why continuously and you're able to provide them an answer, what happens is they get comfort. You start to build a rapport and then you become a trusted advisor. Right. And the process is a lot, a lot easier for them. So I've got clients that I did loans for years ago that will reach out to me with just a general question and just say, hey, Chris, 
I wouldn't feel comfortable moving forward with this without talking to you first. And so what I tell my clients is that I treat their money like it's mine, which means that I'm not going to have you paying excess fees that I wouldn't be willing to pay for that I don't understand why I'm paying for them. Uh, I'm going to treat it like this is a business that I'm buying or a business that I'm starting so that in the process, you're going to feel comfortable that I'm doing everything that I can to give you the best deal possible because from a banking standpoint, I'm the advocate for the client when I go to credit. They never have a chance to talk to credit. And so without me, they, they don't get to this loan approval process. Um, so I just tell them question everything and, and ask why on everything, because those are things that you really need to understand in the process. Cool. And so that would be your main thing. Any any secondary or, or third um, you know, secondary and, and third things are, really comes down to the deal. So I, I had a client that, you know, got a commitment letter from another bank. And, um, you know, as we got to talking, you know, the client shared the commitment letter with me and we got to looking at it. And I said, look, you've got a much higher loan amount, but your loan amount is really built in with a lot of additional fees, like you just mentioned. Um, and it wasn't giving him more benefit. And so I ended up doing a loan for a client that was about $150,000 less from a dollar amount standpoint but actually provided him a lot more because I cut out a lot of the extra fees that he would have had in the construction process, closing costs and monitoring fees that he would have had to pay that he wouldn't have with me. And so we're going through the closing process with that client now uh, where we're saving them $150,000 and providing them more working capital than one of my competitors was. Wow. And, and I, I think that just blows my mind because I thought uh, I tend to think that it's much of a muchness, but it's not. No, it, it's, it's not. I mean, the SBA program is very different. And that's why I say that, you know, you've got to ask the questions to really understand the bank's risk profile, because a banker can easily tell you, you know, uh, this doesn't fit the SBA program. And what they really mean is that this doesn't fit our SBA program. So I've had a lot of clients this year that have come to me and, and I've talked to them because I've been referred by someone else. And, you know, one of the first things they would tell me is that I was told you can't do this on the SBA side. And wow. the true answer is, you can do it if the bank has the risk appetite for it. And so explaining that where a client will understand it, um, it is the biggest piece for me. Even if it's a client that is shopping with another bank, I want to make sure that I'm clear on what SBA allows versus what Huntington allows. So when they go to talk to another bank, they can understand when they're talking to them as well. Okay, this does work. It just may not work necessarily at Huntington or it may not work at this bank that I talked to. And that helps them understand in the process of how to move forward. Yeah, and that's some great advice. Okay, so how would people find you if they if they had questions or they if they or they wanted to know more? Yeah, so LinkedIn is the best way to find me. Um, uh, my profile has been on LinkedIn for a while. Uh, it's updated, but it comes directly to me as far as messages go, um, and they can kind of get an idea of my bio and background, kind of the roles that I've had from LinkedIn as well. Uh, that's the best way to reach out to me or directly on my cell phone. Okay, and we'll have that we'll have that information in the show notes, folks, so you can look for that. When you're not working, Chris, what do you like to do? Your kiddos are how old? Uh, so my oldest daughter is 16. My youngest daughter is 10. Okay. And so when you're not working, what are you doing? Uh, it, it's probably something with them and my wife. Um, so uh, my oldest does competition cheer. Uh, so we're running a lot with, with that. Uh, my youngest does competition dance. My oldest works at the dance studio. So we're doing a lot of running with that. Uh, we do a lot of, of hanging out with friends from, from church as well. Uh, and so all of our kids are really good friends. It's just like a big family. So we get together a lot and, and go eat and hang out at each other's houses, uh, things like that. Uh, like to fish, don't fish nearly as much as I want to. 
but I like to fish a lot as well. So I try to add that in sometimes also. Cool. So, okay. So this is the portion of the show where we talk about your three hidden gems. So we have a lot of listeners outside of Middle Tennessee. And so when mm-hmm. they come to the Middle Tennessee area, they like to know cool stuff to do. So what would you say are your three hidden gems of things that you like around Middle Tennessee, whether it's places to eat, places to listen to music, places to take the kids, whatever it is, there is no wrong answer. So give me mm-hmm. your first give me your first hidden gem. I've got pencil ready. Yeah. So my first hidden gem is this question stumps me a little bit because I'm trying to think of, um, of the name of it. Um Oh man, it. Uh, I had it before we actually got started. Um, so, what's it to do with? Is it a food place? Is it a, uh, this, a hiking? This is, it's a food place kind of hangout spot. It, it's actually um, off of Broadway. Um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, there, let's circle, several different. Let's circle okay. back to it. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. The new number one. Let's go with number two as the new number one. <laughs> So what's your number two hidden gem? So so number two, uh, I am going to say Copper Branch. So Copper Branch is a vegan restaurant. Okay. Uh, that's downtown. Uh, they've got really, really good vegan options there. Uh, so I'm going to say number two is that. Uh, I, I, I love vegan food. If you, can, if you can make food without meat and it's clean and it's good, uh, that's just a big thing for me. So number two, I'm, I'm going to say Copper Branch. Now, number does that two, mean that you you just enjoy that food because like i'll eat plenty of vegan food but i'm not vegan right i enjoy the cleanness of a lot of vegan food but Uh man i'm a i like a good milkshake and a good steak so you know i'm not opposed to that but uh you do you tend to find that you're more forks over knives kind of guy i'm definitely more forks over knives i'm not completely vegan i'd say i'm probably 80 to 85 percent there uh but but I, I just like it if i've got an option to eat cleaner then that's going to be my goal uh unless it just throws it off for everybody else right uh, but that was just one that i went to where it was just really good and everything that i've tried has been great so right yeah i think sometimes i think people that are not vegan like myself we look at somebody goes oh that's a great vegan restaurant i'm like i'm not going there you know <laughs> but i have found again and again and again that the quality of food right is just is awesome and and don't be put off by the fact that somebody says well it's a vegan restaurant because you will find something that you like to eat come on if you eat a salad if you eat a tomato if you eat a banana you're already eaten you know in the way that we we talk about so i I think sometimes they do a bad job of marketing to non-vegan individuals it's like people say oh i don't like sushi well, then get the teriyaki, the chicken that's cooked. You know, you don't have to eat all raw fish, right? You can go right. there and eat other stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I think uh, Copper Branch is something that I'll have to try. Yeah, Copper Branch is definitely one to add to the list. Okay, and number three? Uh, number three, I am going to say um, uh, one place. It's called Plaza Mariachi. Okay. Uh, so, so it's in Nashville. They've got a lot of different restaurants. They have entertainment as well. Uh, uh, my family and our friends actually took our kids kind of go and just hang out for a little bit. So I haven't gone many times, but it's a very entertaining and kind of dinner atmosphere that you can go to and have lots of different options to eat. So I think it was pretty cool, pretty neat. Okay, Plaza Mariachi, like the mariachi band. Um, yep. Okay, I don't know how mm-hmm. to spell that, but folks, we'll figure it out and Chris will send us the information. We'll put it in the show notes. Now, did the other one pop to the top of your mind or we're going to have to pick on something different? 
Um, it didn't. So it's right on the tip of my tongue, but it, <laughs> it, it's got all these different restaurants in it, and it's right off of Broadway. I just cannot think of the name of it. So it's like a food court where people can go in and if, if different people want different foods, all of that's accessible. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then there's shopping down there as well. But there's like probably I'll, I'll say over over 60 different restaurants that you can choose from. I just cannot think of the name of, okay. of it right now. It's so what we're going to what we're going to do is when you send me your information, we'll include that one in the show notes. That'll be the bonus one. So okay. uh, I, I'm seeing I'm I'm sensing a trend here, Chris. <laughs> you like food and you like yeah. places that have lots of choices and having kids, I know what that's like. Cause they all want to go different places. Right. We'd come uh -huh. home from work and they'd like, one of them would say, Oh, can you stop at this uh, fast food place? And then the next one's like, Oh no, I want stuff from over there. And then somebody else is like, I want stuff from over there. I'm like, I'm not going to three different restaurants to pick up your favorite food. Like let's get on one page so I can see a trend. Okay. So what's another thing that you like to do in middle Tennessee that you think is a hidden gem? Um, what's another thing to do? And I think I probably, uh, set out my, I mean, food is just a big thing because you just always got to eat. Um, so, <laughs> it, um, it could be another food place. I don't mind. Cause I, quite honestly, the, one of the things I love about this show is most of the places people recommend, I've never even heard of. So mm -hmm. somebody recommended Elliston's soda shop. Okay. And best malt I've ever, 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 ever had that I can wow. ever remember was at this shop and their fried okra man it uh, i'm a big fried okra fan i think they should replace movie popcorn with fried okra it is just <laughs> awesome when it's done I think I'm with you on that. yeah well, you know when it's crunchy and hot oh my so okay, yeah so it can be another food place but where, where wherever you like what do you guys what are, do you when you go fishing where do you go fishing so uh, I've only gone a few times us. since I've been here. Uh, Williamsport Lake is one of the areas that I've gone fishing. It has uh, really nice lakes on the property, uh, pretty good size, and uh, just a lot of fun to go out there. So Williamsport Lake is one of the places. Um, Percy Priest Lake, obviously, is a is a great place to go as well. Yep. Yep. Well, awesome. That That's enough there. So, folks, Copper Branch, uh, downtown, is it? Is it downtown? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then Plaza Mariachi, also downtown? Also downtown, yep. Okay. No, no, and I'm then, sorry. No, not Plaza Mariachi is not downtown. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So we'll we'll have the address anyway. And where do you guys live in, in the Nashville area? So we actually live in Murfreesboro. Oh, wow, man. That's a drive. Like you come it in. It is a drive. Now, I do like in Murfreesboro, don't they have like that trail all the way through? Like you can, the green belt or whatever it is. I, I that's It's called the Greenway. Greenway. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's pretty cool too. So that's something like I want to get to do. Um, but I go to Murfreesboro. I've, I've done several do. of those trails, uh, biking and running. So they're, they're a lot of fun and, you know, you can go out, you know, 15, 20 miles, as long as you're on the connecting trails, they connect in different areas. So it's pretty great. No, I'll lay down till the feeling passes. I think, you know, <laughs> so I think about exercising and then I lay down till the feeling passes is the old line. Um, any last thoughts as we, wrap up the uh the show that you'd like to add about sba uh i would just say you know uh if anybody is thinking about sba confused about sba have questions i definitely reach out would love to discuss and help you know and it doesn't have to be a situation where you're looking to do something right now it just may be that you're trying to get clarification on, on what to do when you're ready to do it uh so we'd love to help in that space but uh, that's an opportunity to provide access to capital for a lot of clients that normally wouldn't get it 
Uh, and so a lot of the deals that I see are deals that just wouldn't be done without SBA. Cool. Awesome, Chris. Hey, thanks so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. This is the Nashville 2 Podcast with your host, Edward Fox. Fox.